Hey! Hello, buddies, fellow Franco fans. It is I, your host, Jason Rudy, with Desperate Visions Productions, a Sacramento, California-based filmmaking group headed by yours truly. And as this episode is releasing one day before the world premiere of... uh, my newest film with my production company, Desperate Visions Productions, and we are presenting the film number 15 in the library, and that is Emmanuel in Sin City. Uh, it's my entry into the unofficial Emmanuel series, the Emmanuel with one M, not two, uh, not the Sylvia Christel, but the uh, Joe D'Amato and Laura Gimser and other Emmanuels, those Emmanuels, so, but, you know, some of the other ones too. So yeah, that will be film 15, and uh, as you know, we're working on film 16 now. It's in production. Uh, she knows Ferratu, which is a uh, modern take on the vampire legend, um, written by me, and, and directed all that stuff. So yeah, um, and then writing film 17 as we speak. I think it's going to be a sci-fi film. So all right, that's all going on in this universe. So yeah, uh, the world premiere is January 19th, um, 2023. And I have put up um, some fundraiser edition DVD-Rs or DVDs that uh, I'm selling of Lady Hyde and Emmanuel in Sin City. Um, Because when you put a film up for streaming services, it has to be closed caption. Um, I I don't think they accept it Film Hub without it. So so yeah, so that costs money. Because I did it before, and it takes like many days. And then like it was off, and they didn't accept it. So I went ahead and went through their service, but I found other ones that have a slightly less price frame. Um, it's like per word they charge you and stuff, so, or no, per minute. So, um, yeah, so anyway, that's going on with that. So I'm raising money to uh, get that done so I can get Emmanuel in Sin City up on the site um, pretty soon there, streaming-wise. Probably hopefully be on Tubi again and Amazon Prime when they finally add it and those other places, so be on the lookout for that. <laughs> Um, I'm going to go and get the plugs out of the way right now. Uh, also, you know, so yeah, if you want to uh, get the DVDs of Emmanuel or uh, Emmanuel in Sin City or Lady Hyde, find me on uh, the Desperate, I'm sorry, the uh, Franco Observer podcast page on uh, Facebook or Instagram, or you can reach me again at uh, FrancoObserver at Yahoo.com, and I'll send you an email back with all the information. Uh, yeah, and there's also a donation button on the Red Circle page, the homepage. Uh, now's a good time. Uh, if you want to donate one time or reoccurring, there's your option as well. Uh, go ahead and download if you like the episodes, and please subscribe and like it if, you're, if there's any kind of a rating system on your platform, uh, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, or more. They have an option to rate the podcast or leave a review. If you dig it, please do. It always helps um, in the long run because it builds viewers and listeners and all that stuff. So anyway, uh, like I said, if you like the podcast, if you like Desperate Visions, if you like Lady Hyde, Emmanuel, and Sin City, please tell other people about it. Um, a guy posted on Instagram, oh, actually on one of the um, letterbox reviews for Lady Hyde that, hey, you know, somebody posted a thing about Lady Hyde on Instagram and I'd never heard about it before and I watched it and I liked it and and now I'm going to tell other people about it and like that is exactly why I do this why I do this because obviously I love Franco um, and I always want to get my films out there as well so um, if people dig me dig the show 
hopefully they dig my films or some like my films and don't care about Franco. So it, the more audiences and crossovers you can have, the more you can saturate more listeners and viewers. So it's always the bottom line with anything. Um, yeah, like I said before, you can get a hold of me at uh, francoobserver at yahoo.com with anything, questions about the films or about the podcast. Uh, and like I said earlier, we have a Facebook and Instagram page at the Franco Observer Podcast. So check us out there um, if you want to add us and always post new pictures and you can leave messages and all that good shebang. So, all right, now off of that, on to the past. We are in 1983 for episode 124, film 128, and that would be the awesome film, I've seen it already, of Camino Solitario. Um, film before this, film 127, is a film that was unreleased called El Abulio, La Condesa e Escarlata La Travisa. That's the grandfather, the countess, and Scarlet the Cross. Um, it was a uh, made through Golden Films, it looks like, and it was shot in 83. And uh, basically, uh, it was a remake of Franco's 74 sex comedy, Celestine, all around made. It was completed to release standard in 1983, but remained in the hands of Golden Films International, who, for some reason unknown, made no attempt to release it. According to Alan Petit, the film did appear briefly at a Spanish distribution catalog in 1992, but there's no evidence that it was ever bought or screened. A picture of the title card displaying the film's legal number has made its way onto the internet. So yeah, that was film 127, so maybe that's one day you'll see that come out as the lost Just Franco film or something. So, But this being the next episode, the next film, that's film 128, and once again, Camino Solitario. And uh, I always give credit, so all information on this film is taken from the book Flowers of Perversion, Volume 2 by Stephen Thrower. Uh, it's now out of print, but I think they're going to be releasing... Uh, um, updated copies of this, I think, soon, so that would be cool. All right, uh, Camino Saltaro, it was a uh, translation to The Lonely Path. I thought it was a lonely road, but yeah, The Lonely Path. Um, interesting, I like path better. Spain, 1983, this was filmed, and this is by Just Franco's own, com- own company. Like, I have Just Provisions, he had Manicoa Films. Uh, the theatrical distributor is a Cinema International Corporation, CIC. Shooting date on this, September 1983. Date of approval, June 20th, 1983. Played Seville, November of 83. Six and eleven. So about five months later. Wow, that's pretty good. Um, let's see what else do we have here. Um, okay. Uh, date of approval, Seville, November 4th, 83. Then played Barcelona uh, later, uh, January 23rd of 1984. And then played... Mercia in July 8th of 1985, and finally Madrid, April 7th of 86. You always seem to play Madrid last, that's weird. Uh, theatrical running time, Spain, 90 minutes. Um, and there's a Malibu video VHS copy at 101 minutes, and the Spanish TV version, which is the one I've seen, um, 97 minutes, 32 minutes. 97 minutes, 32 seconds. Uh, yeah, and that was the uh, Spanish TV print, Channel 8, and uh looked looked really good. 
Okay, of course, on this, we all know the writer, director, producer. I'm a producer this time. Yeah, because Manicola Films. And that's the mighty Jess Franco. And he's also a director of photography. So he's writer, director, producer, and director of photography. Uh, he's probably camera as well. Uh, production manager, Antonio Mayans, as J.A. Mayans. And uh, makeup is his wife, Juana de la Moreno. Assistant director, Lena Romay as Rosa M. Amarel, editor, Laura Arias. Oh, a different editor. That's interesting. He didn't edit it. Um, music, Daniel White is Pablo Vila and Jess Franco. Really good soundtrack on this, by the way. A lot of good jazz. Um, an uncredited sound recording studio, uncredited, okay. Uncredited producer, Jess Franco. First camera operator, Jess Franco. Yes, we did everything but edit on this. All right, cast Antonio Mayans as billed as Robert Foster. Plays Alfredo Pereira. Not Al, but Alfredo Pereira, or Pereira. Uh, Lena Romay, billed as Candy Coster, plays uh, the twin roles of Eva Raiden and Adriana Esteba. Uh, Ricardo Palacios plays Mario Gomera de Raiden, or the hefty Ricardo Palacios. Uh, Carmen Crarion just plays Carmen. Jose Lamas uh, plays Alberto. Flavia Mayans, that's Antonio Mayans' daughter, plays Flavia Pereira. Good job on her. Uh, Jess Franco plays Dr. Mario Kalman, or Kalman. And uh, Juana de Leon Moreno plays Mrs. Pereira. Uh, yeah, okay, so that's, his, that's Mayans' wife. Um, production notes. Okay, so. Uh, when, a, when a modest win on the lottery gave Jess Franco a financial boost, he instantly set about making a new film with the money. Yeah, so Franco basically won a little lottery, and uh, which I didn't know about until reading this book. So he ended up taking the money and making movies. I love it. Uh, dusting off a script he had first written in 1972 for an aborted project that would have starred Marissa Mel, Barbara Boucher, and Mark Damon. Uh, he embarked on a minimalist, private eye story with echoes of film noir and Alfred Hitchcock. Review by Stephen Thrower. Well, this one is unusual. Of interest solely to hardcore Franco fans, which I vehemently disagree, Camino Solitaro lacks the excitement one must reasonably expect from such nominally exploitable subjects as crime, sex, and film noir intrigue. In fact, you can scratch sex off the list. Well, there is some in here. Because the prominent presence of Mayan's young daughter, Flavia, appears once again to have ruled out Franco's customary explicitness in that department. We do get a lesbian scene. How could we not? But the action takes place below the edge of the frame. Eh, not really. While the remaining love clinches involving Mayans, Lena Romay, and Jose Lamas are chased by Franco standards. Instead of sleaze and torment, a peaceful domesticity rules the roost, with Franco's perennial private eye, Al Pereira, depicted as a quiet, diligent single parent taking his daughter to school chatting with her at home and dropping her off with his ex-wife in between these responsibilities he investigates a missing person's case that eventually leads to a mild sort of heartbreak although it's nothing a loving chat with his charming little daughter can't solve this is something new for franco a film in which the atmosphere is one of ease and relaxation for the first time in his career the home is portrayed as genuine sanctuary <clears throat> and the relationship within it, benevolent and decent, 
For fans of the darkest Franco, this is all very disorienting. A window into another world where fathers are not abusive, where daughters are neither victims nor libertines, where the house is not a stifling hotbed of perversion. From the point of view of Franco's regular ouvrier, Camino Solitaro is a bit like peering down a powerful telescope into another galaxy, observing alien beings with completely different lifestyles. Camino Solitaro plows a very similar furrow to Los Blues de la Calipop, but the keynote this time is sincerity, not irony. The hero is reasonably heroic, albeit a little slow on the uptake, and the suffering caused by the villainous Andriana is treated as reprehensible instead of being greeted with the kind of a moral shrug that so often pervades Franco's attitude to criminality. In fact, these aspects, plus the concentration of a loving family man and his well-adjusted daughter, feel about as close to an engagement with the real world around him that Franco had so far attempted. One wonders whether he felt inclined to give the film to the actors as a quiet recognition of their decency and friendship, a chance to play characters who are not necessarily perverts, fools, or monsters. This is particularly so in relation to the Mayans family. Juana de la Morena, Alberto Mayans' real-life spouse, and Flavia Mayans, his eldest daughter, are naturalistic and very plausible. And more than anything, the film feels like a present from Franco to the Mayans' family, a sort of moving photo album. Everything about Camino Solitaro is designed to spend to spread the lowest of budgets as efficiently as possible. The amount of driving around in cars is pushed to the max, offering the impression of movement and lots of cheap tracking shots. Even though the story itself moves like a treacle drip, dripping off a spoon. See stuff like that. I don't like what his writing is. Uh, the closest thing to action is seeing Mayans dashing around the back streets and shopping arcades of Torre Molinos, a showing a photo of a missing woman to various storeholders and passers-by. At the Intermezzo Bar, he meets pianist Carmen Carrion and club manager Jose Lamas, who by now have notched up so many credits for Franco that it's almost as if we're dropping in to see a couple of old friends. Barreria gets the usual kicking, this time from a couple of nightclub bouncers, but even this is handled casually. The hugely overweight Ricardo Palacios gamely willing to strip nude in the name of art is the most extraordinary figure on screen playing a wealthy father who employs Prera to find his missing daughter he resembles orson wells in his later years and in the humid climate of the mediterranean one wonders one worries for him even climbing the stairs however despite strong work from mayans and Palacios, the acting honors must go to lena romay who excels in her due role she's especially riveting during the film's climatic revelations oozing spite and malevolence and raising the temperature and means of a film that has otherwise felt pretty warm and gentle. As the final revelations play out, one can't help wishing that the story could have been filmed in a style more suited to the murder mystery in the Italian giallo mold. The script is based on an idea Franco first had in the early 70s, and it was almost made back then with the stunning Marissa Mel as the female lead, in which case... Narrative similarities to Lucio Fulci's 1968 Giallo, one on top of the other, would have been even more noticeable. Instead, Camino Solitario reaches the screen in 1983. Uh, that's uh, so, yeah, about 13 years later. A year in which Franco 
working with incredibly low budgets, would amass his highest annual total of movies. But whether it's true that the film might have benefited from a more energized approach, if you're exhausted by the pervasive darkness of Jess Franco's movies and you fancy the equivalent of a day off with your feet up, you could do worse than take a stroll through the beguiling celluloid vacation. All right, Spanish theatrical release. Um, hard though it is to manage. Hard though, hard though it is to imagine for a film is as obscure and low budget as this. Camino Solitaro played in Madrid at the Cine Studio Regio, a three-screen theater, tending towards mainstream first releases. Also showing that week was Tootsie and Kramer vs. Kramer. Sadly, it stayed only three days before closing. There were no further Madrid screenings. In Seville, it managed to secure just a single day's booking at a multi-screen theater called the Avenida Multicentro. It fared slightly better in Barcelona, playing for a week on the bottom end of an unlikely double bill with Flashdance. Nice! <laughs> and scoring another week of bookings on re-release in August 1988. God, that's cool to watch this now with Flashdance as a double feature sometime. That's funny. Um, cast and crew. All right, playing Prairie's daughter is Flavia Hervas, also known as Flavia Mayans Hervas, Antonio Mayans' daughter. Owning to her tender years, she was dubbed by her older sister, Regina. Ricardo Palacios, in Tech Robots and Blood of Manchu, appeared in seven Jess Franco films during the 80s. Uh, they are Los Blues de Cali Pop, Comino Solitaro, Sola Ante Entera, Oego Socio e Casablanca, uh, Furia in el Tropico, and two unreleased titles, uh, Voces de Morete and Sida la Pesta de Siglo. 20, or XX. Uh, Franco on screen. Franco plays a fairly restrained gay character here, in contrast to his comic turn elsewhere in his repertoire. Music. The title music, Piano Siderel, is sentimental piece for piano, which composer Daniel White has soaked in echo effects, creating a haunted ballroom feel. It was first used in Tender and Perverse Emmanuel back in 1973 and can be found on White's library LP, Mood Music Selection Number One Cocktail. All right, locations. Uh, we're in Tori Molinos off season. The crowds are thinly scattered and half the shops are closed. Franco gives us plenty of views of the Plaza Andalusia, the main shopping precinct, and Prairie asks questions at one of the town's oldest restaurants, El Gato Vido, which is still trading today. Calman and Pereira have lunch at a street cafe in La Cojuela, a part of Torremolinos, known for its fish restaurants. Connections. Raymond Chandler is referred in the. I'm sorry. Raymond Chandler is referenced in the dialogue, and the storyline has a Hitchcockian quality. But by now, such illusions and echoes of popular cinema are becoming obsolete. Franco is suspended in his own lonely firmament with the glamour and finances of Hollywood cinema just a string of twinkling lights at a great distance on a faraway shore. I'm trying to be all poetic. So, yeah, so that's uh, his words on Camino Solitario. So, yeah, uh, I watched it already uh, before I recorded this first half. I recorded my review and I really enjoyed it. So, and you'll hear what I have to say about that. Um, so, yeah, uh, this is that episode and uh, episode 
125 Thong Girls. Um, I'm also on there as a solo, and then I'll have uh, guest reviewers on the next two episodes after uh, Thong Girls. So, yeah, that would be uh, episodes uh, 126 and 7. I'll have guests on, so... All right, we'll hang out past the bumper music, and you'll hear the review to Camino Solitaro, The Lonely Path, or The Lonely Road. So, all right. Adios, mi amiga. Buenas noches, maja. Episode 124, film, what we had here? Film 128, check my time out, make sure good and all recorded, it looks good. Film 128, Camino Solitaro, Lonely Road. And uh, <clears throat> I am somebody that knows the Lonely Road, so this is a film that I really, 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 really liked a lot um hold on one second <coughs> all right sorry about that where i came from getting cold weather here so yeah this was a really good film um i um looked through stephen thrower's book and he didn't really dig it that much and it seems like I've had this conversation before where I'll read some of his and I'm like, okay, and I'll watch it. And it's like so much better than he says to me, or I like it a lot more than he did and vice versa. There's things that he likes a lot that I was thinks, okay, you know, but it's not any of my favorites, but this is one that made it to my top 20 now of, uh, Let's see, 124 films or so of his that I've seen. This is in my top 20. And I've got like 19 films of that top 20. There's one slot left. Um, and I think there's going to be probably like two or three coming up that I think we're really going to like a lot. Like I've owned Bahia Blanca forever. And I know I'm going to like that. And um, Foul Playing Cows Blanca here is like kick ass. And I'm like so excited to watch that. I'm sure that's going to be on my list. So we'll see. Maybe t- top 25, maybe I'll go. If, if he has enough to do top 25, and then do this, the second tier, and, and so on and so forth. Maybe I'll make like a master list of me of my favorites. Not the best, because of course, nothing... Nobody can ever say something's the best. Oh, this is Scorsese's best film, or this is Orson Welles' best film. I mean, if you have like one or... If you have like a vast difference in like two or three of your films and that's all the films you have then maybe I could see that but when you have a catalog I mean shit especially Franco you know going into 100 and something films whatever your count is 168 174 200 whatever um yeah I mean you know you can't say oh this is just Franco's best film you know of that many that's stupid you know even even Scorsese I mean you can't say something's his best film cause you know you might say oh this is my favorite film if you only have one, that's, I guess, you know, whatever. You're you're pretty strict, but, you know, of course, if somebody's great, 
the more films they put out that you like or are good or whatever, you know, however you favorite. But uh, yeah, this is definitely one of my now top 20 films that I had to like say, okay. And about halfway through it, I was like, just like really surprised. When something surprises me, I think that's always the best thing. And not just like something was better than I thought, but it's just like I kept going, wow, this is really fucking good, man. It's like a really good movie as I'm watching it going, God, this is like, I could turn so many people onto this film because it's really tame. Um, you know, some things that Franco's known for, the very abstract, wandering timeline of situations where scenes don't always gel together. There's no coherent timeline. Uh, there's no, you know, just you know, like more the Vampiros Lesbos and that where it just kind of flows or, or things. And there's f- friends of mine, especially Kali, like she, she likes that type of type of framing work of Franco and and so do I especially with the Desaad stuff it fits and stuff but I also like just this goes to this this goes to this and I'm also very uh, favorite of Franco's uh, the detective films and the crime films that he's done and the uh, Al Prairie especially as um, Antonio Mines plays Al Prairie in this um, Al- Alfredo Prairie he calls himself in this he's always Al and Alfredo and Alfredo but uh, yeah, he's he's still Al Pereira, and uh, a couple shots of his eyes where he's observing sh- stuff that goes down and and how he deals with things, and uh, it's really good. But what I liked about this the best was that, like I mentioned, is it really tamed down. Uh, it has a, f- a coherent timeline. It's very Hitchcockian. It's almost like Franco trying to make a Hitchcock film. Um, it's a script that, as you heard in the beginning. Um, which, to be honest with you, I haven't recorded it yet, but I've read the, the notes. But yeah, Franco had basically won like a, a little lottery and, and had some money, so he dusted off the script from 72. And watching it, it definitely feels like a 70s film, and that's another reason why I think I liked it, because I like that, that period of writing and, and mindset and that. And uh, and you can tell it's kind of like uh, Kiss Me, I mean, um, uh, was it? Not kiss me deadly, but or kiss me killer, but um, um, Phantom Soho, and then the other one I forget the other name of it, but um, yeah, yeah. So so it's got all all the double crosses and people you think are dead are not dead, and identity changes and and all, and all that good stuff. There's a lot of good twists and turns to it. Um, and Antonio Mayans is really great in this. Um, Lena Romay is really great in this as playing a dual role. Uh, as the two sisters, um, it's got Antonio Mayans' daughter Flavia Mayans, and she's really great in this. And the and the relationship between the real life father and daughter, playing a father and daughter, and it's really good. She's she she's a good actress. She's very natural. A couple times she looks at the camera. She's cute. You know, little kid. She's only like maybe eight or something, maybe or seven. I don't know. But uh, yeah, it's just very natural, and and uh, it gives a human side to Al Pereira where. He just always talk about maybe his ex-wife or, or he's just by himself. And this one, he has a daughter and he has an ex-wife and, 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 and he still kind of loves his ex-wife and and talks to her about life and things. And he just kind of sees about how he's kind of wasted his time. And, and, and Franco's writing these from a, from that, I guess, his midlife, whatever, his 50s at this time, maybe, where he's kind of seeing, you know, 
and 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 I can identify with myself as well. You get to a certain point in life where you see the time that you've spent, the time you have left, and you kind of want to start speeding up things and doing things to try to capture the time that maybe you've you know wasted or 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 didn't do the things you wanted to do with. And you know, I'm a very productive person, but I can always do more, and 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 everybody else can as well. So. That's that's just a good message with this film, and and, and in the end, uh, without giving spoilers away, he, he just realizes how important his family is to him and, and everything. So it's re- really really cool. I really liked it, and it's very laid back. It's a very relaxed film, um, which is different than Franco's film. There's not a lot of danger. To, I mean, there's danger to it, but it's just there's a lot of good stuff to it. So, all right, I'm just gonna go through my notes here. Uh, yeah, so it's called uh, Lonely Road, Camino Solitaro, and the version I watched was a uh, DVD-R gray market print that was from the uh, Channel 8 TV print in Spain. It was a 16 by 9 copy from on the TV. It's really good. had a lot of nudity and stuff in the print uh, toward the end. Um, but like I said, there's not a lot of nudity in the film, but there's a couple scenes, and then there's like toward the end of the film, you see Lena nude and stuff, but that's, that's about it. The sex scenes are minimal. Um, but there is nudity to it, and it's uh, quite a bit late in the film when you first see the first nudity, which I'll get to when we get to that part. All right. Of course, there's some on my sleeve. we got to record. All right. Um, so let's see. Yeah, so um starts off with the camera in the back of the car. Franco's basically sitting in the back seat of a little four-seater car, and uh, Antonio Mayans is taking his daughter to school. So Al, Al Pereira is playing Mr. Mom, He's got the kid during the weekdays, his daughter, and uh, she goes with the mom on the weekends. And he takes her to school in the morning, picks her up and everything. And throughout the film, a couple times, he, he's late picking her up from school, and, and he feels bad about it and everything. So and that's always a running thing. It's about how he's supposed to always take her to school, and, and she's doing her homework and stuff. And, and it's a good relationship, him and his daughter. Um, and, yeah, I think she's probably like about first grade, so... Um, so yeah, we see, we, we don't see, but actually, yeah, Frank was the backseat film and it's a good scene. They're driving through and, and drive from the area from school back to his house and Frank was the back filming it and, uh, driving through there. And, um, so yeah, it's funny. Uh, Lena plays Lady Raiden, R-A-D-E-N. And it's funny, instead of Radic, so Frank always liked to use the word, the last name Radic. Usually it's the heel characters. So yeah, and, and, she, and she's heel character, or well, some of the family is. Uh, so yeah, so Raiden is an erratic. Um, and of course, Lena as her candy coster. She has the wig, and then she also plays the twin sister, almost like in uh, Dice Marquise de Vansade, um, one where she plays the the two sisters, and and uh, she's done that before where she plays the dual role, and she's really good in it. Um, she. Uh, Oh yeah, and her husband is of course. Um, let's write his name down, uh, Ricardo Placios, and I recognized him from Fury of the Tropics. He's like a really big fat guy, kind of looks like a late years Orson Welles. He's got a big beard. He's like you know four hundred pounds probably, and uh, it's funny in the end he gets nude in the film. I was like whoa, but I remember him in Fury of the Tropics because he's like the really fat, sleazy um, leader of the. Uh, military and 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 Lena has sex with him and 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 uh, he goes down on her and stuff and all that stuff. so it was really funny so I saw him again then I looked through the notes um, and I didn't realize that he actually has done like nine Jess Franco films um, 
he's he goes he goes way back to uh, Attack of the Robots actually, uh, which is funny is an Al Pereira film. That's like the first Al Pereira film uh, with um, Eddie Constantine playing Al Pereira, and then he's also in Blood of Fu Manchu. Oh, oh shit! I didn't realize that was him. Yeah, he's like the uh, he's like the the bandit guy in Blood of Fu Manchu. He has a big fight scene, uh, sitting in the back of that hay, hay, the, uh, hay loft. Now I recognize him. Oh shit, that, that's cool. Okay. So I, I realized that as I'm going through my notes. Yeah. He's really good in that actually. So, okay. Now I know who he is. But yeah, he's in, um, he, and then he's, so he's in those two and he's in seven for 80s Franco films. So total nine films. Uh, he's in, uh, Fury of the Tropic, which you mentioned. Um, Blues of Cali Pop, which, is also in my top 20. And of course, this film, um, Camino Solitaro, and uh, Alone Against the Terror, which is the next film coming up. And then he's in uh, Foul Play in Casablanca, and then two unreleased Franco films, uh, one X rated film, and then another film that we'll talk about later on when we get to the area. Uh, so yeah, so he's in there and he plays Lena Romay's husband and, uh, he's like hard time breathing and stuff. And he basically hires Al Pereira the beginning. Al Pereira is of course a detective and, and he gets a job from Lena Romay and her husband to find Lena Romay's missing sister and, um, sister ran away. And so she, he's supposed to find the sister and take her back to Lena and the, and the fat guy, her husband, and for a fee, then he gives him a check, and then that's the end of that story. Well, then a bunch of other stuff happens after that. We find out that basically uh, Lena's husband is uh, has a really bad heart condition, and a uh, bunch of stuff going on, and and she's you know there's like an insurance deal, and I'm sure you can figure out what's happening. Um, but yeah, so that's all going on. Um, uh, so then. Uh, they have asking questions outside the city. Nice footage of oh yeah, where so Antonio Mayans walks through the city and he's like going to these outdoor cafes and, and he's, Franco's just kind of shooting Jean Luc Godard style, real handheld, like probably like a bolex or something, just shooting as they go through and 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 moving through the area and getting out. It's really cool. It looks good. Um, and speaking of looking good, uh, Carmen Carrion is on here playing uh, at a jazz bar. At a pianist, and uh, kind of remind me of um, um, the other side of the mirror, where she's a jazz pianist as well. So I always thought that was cool—a female jazz pianist in the Jess Franco universe. Um, and uh, she's with Jose Lamas in the bar area, the uh, Intermezzo Piano Bar. Uh, okay. Oh, then there's a scene too I like where um, Antonio Mines is back home and he's like washing the dishes or. No, I'm sorry. He's making making uh, dinner for his daughter, and he has a beer. He's just his dinner is just a couple bites of her food, and then drinking his beer. But uh, his daughter's doing her homework, and he's kind of singing a song to himself. And he sings like two lines, and he goes to answer her questions about history, Greek history. But he goes, uh, "I'm a picker, I'm a grinner." And then he answers your question, and then he goes back, he goes, I'm a lover, and I'm a sinner. I'm like, oh, okay, he's singing The Joker by Steve Miller. So I thought that was kind of funny that Franco would mix that in. Um, you know, I, so I, I thought that scene was pretty cute with him and doing that with his daughter and stuff. And, and his daughter's really cute in the scene, and that's a nice, nice 
figure out some nice family scenes in this, which is nice. It's like a good family film with crime and everything else too. But it's but it's like not anything crazy. So yeah, it's it's good. Um, and uh, of course, his wife plays his ex-wife in the film, which I mentioned. Um, oh, and there's a good scene too where Lena is in the doorway talking to him, and she's like taking a big puff of cigarette. And as she's talking to him in the doorway, he's, she's backlit, and she says a few words, and smoke comes out of her nose and her mouth. And, and he talks a little bit, and she says a little more, and more smoke comes out of her nose and her mouth. And the backlit light and everything looks really good. Oh, that's another thing, too, is Franco does that a lot in this film with uh, love-making scenes, two or three with her and, or with, um, um, with Lena Romay and Jose Lamas, and then uh, Lena Romay and Antonio Mayans, and then Lena Romay and... Carmen carry on they're all backlit real like soft lens uh, sparkling off the landscape of their face profile shots real close ups really really good stuff really really classy stuff that I liked that I saw from like um, intimate confessions of an exhibitionist shots like that the, the love making scene in that very similar with the side profile shots extreme close ups really some of my favorite stuff and he does that with this as well um so we have that, and then there's, uh, I like the scene where um, Lena and him go have a conversation at a bar, or at a kind of a cafe place, and they go to like a jukebox, and then Franco does a close-up of the jukebox, and you see uh, there's a Genesis 45, and two other 45s on there, and she puts money, and then the song she plays is, uh, or chooses, is the Just Franco Daniel White, too. And I was like, come on, here's she it, you know. I thought it was pretty funny. Um, so that was cool. And then uh, Jess Franco in here plays Dr. Coleman, but he's not really a doctor. He plays Mario, and he's uh plays a gay character that uh, basically hangs out and has the thing for Jose Lamas' character, and he pays Antonio Mayans as well to try to find him because he's looking for him because he has a thing for him. And But he plays two different roles where he's supposed to be a doctor, but he's not and everything else, so it's interesting. So it's his godson and... But yeah, so but he plays it down. He doesn't play it very camp or anything. Um, so finally, we get to our very first nude scene. Thirty nine minutes it takes. Usually Franco doesn't like five seconds or the first under four minutes. But here it takes thirty nine minutes, and you get the first nude scene is with uh, actually isn't isn't Lena either. It's a uh, Carmen carry on where she's nude in bed. Flashback to her and Lena having sex before, and it's in a nice mirror shot. And great scene, like I mentioned, with beautiful lighting, backlit stuff, and the jazz music. And it's really filmed really cool. A lot of different different situations on the bed and the doorway and other stuff. It looks looks really nice. Um, and then, uh, oh yeah, that is, so there's a funny scene later where Antonio Mayans basically gets beat up by these two guys. And Karma Carrion kind of like saves them. And she takes him to bed and, and uh, tries to nurse his wounds. And he's being a big baby about it. And she's touching his body and he's wincing and stuff. And it's very comical because he's playing. He's like, oh, I'm a mess of a man and I'm not this and I'm not that. And he's really playing it up like he's just got the shit beat out of him and he's just nothing. And it's very comical and very, very funny. I thought it was funny seeing good, good basic humor. Um, let's see. Uh, and then so after that, he goes home to his daughter and he's all beat up. And his daughter is... Uh, waiting for him, and, it's, and that was a good scene. And then uh, Mayans meets with Jess Franco, as you mentioned, about doing the job for him. And um, there's a nice shot of Lena where she's walking into the Intermezzo piano bar, and you see an upside-down reflection shot of her uh, from him look, watching her walk 
into and he's like looking up at the ceiling you can see the reflection of her walking upside down he filmed that really really cool thought it looked really 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 good um and then uh oh yeah so then later on in the film after lena's husband dies a heart attack which you knew he would be for being that heavy um he uh lena's wearing her silver levee jacket or silver stockings and uh and calls the doctor but she's like totally naked full frontal as so i was laughing it's like she's just wearing that you know and of course her wig uh but yeah i mentioned great performances by all especially out uh Antonio mayans and his daughter um flavia really great of course lena romay is great carmen carry is great holy lamas is good in it um ricardo plus placios is, is good in it and uh yeah no, i know th- i thought it was a really really killer movie um very laid back just good story um you know not anything gratuitous no gratuitous nudity i mean there's nudity in it where it fits but it's almost like a regular hollywood movie kind of is what i would consider it you know but on a very very small there's another thing too i liked about it is that it was very small budget and you could see just the locations were nice and that but it just didn't cost a lot to tell that story and and it was a really important thing so yeah let me mention that up uh, oh yeah, let's do the Franco list. Uh, so this is the Franco list, probably the thing that I've always built a show around. Uh, the thing that m- makes me different than other shows, I guess, is uh, I have the Franco list. So here is the Franco list that people always want to check on, and it's funny because now I'll watch other movies and use the Franco list that aren't Franco films. And other people have mentioned to me, yeah, man, damn it, now I watch a movie. Oh, there's Body of Water. There's a spiral staircase. There's a palm tree. You know, whatever. There's sailboat. You know, oh yeah, this film had a lot of sailboats too, but we'll get to that soon. All right, number one, uh, body of water. Yes, we see body of water in the film. Uh, right when we see the sailboat, it takes a little while, but there's a nice sailboat. Number two, sailboat. Yeah, uh, we see the sailboat in the film um, when Lena and uh, Antonio Mayans go out to that scene I talked about, where she goes to the jukebox. You see the water. It's like a waterfront bar they go to, or a club, or a cafe. Um, and uh, he also, Antonio Mayans, has a shirt on here that has a white shirt he wears in the film. It has a, a, a sailboat on the back of it. So there's a couple sailboats in here. Uh, number three, boats. Uh, no, I don't see boats, just the one sailboat, which is Trump's anything else. Uh, number four, palm trees. Yeah, quite a few palm trees in here, especially the driving sequences. See all the palms, all the areas, beautiful palms. Uh, number five, jungle sound effects. No. Number six, chained up people. No, nobody's chained up in this film. Nobody's held captive. Uh, nobody's chained up against their will or tied up. Especially chained. No chains. That's rarity. Uh, seven, dance scenes on stage. Stripping any kind of a stripping act before an audience. I'll say no. Nothing like that on this one. Uh, number eight, um, club scenes. Dancing in a bar. Yes. Um... You have uh, Carmen Carrion's playing at the club scene, and people are there at the bar, not really dancing, just kind of enjoying the music, and because it's just jazz, piano music, and people are kind of in, being entertained by it. They're not dancing, but there is club scenes in, in the bar because they all drink uh, and they like sit at tables and watch. So, uh, number nine, jazz music. Yeah, it's got actually got a really great jazz soundtrack. I, I really like the music in this a lot. Uh, Daniel White and um, um, just Franco's score. <clears throat> really dug it. Number 10, uh, excessive zooms. No. Uh, number 11, out of focus shots. Not really. There's one or two, but nothing too crazy. You know. 
Uh, number 12, Mirror Shots. Yes, there's some cool ones, actually. Uh, with Lena, especially. Um, <clears throat> which is cool, it's almost like the other side of the mirror, where um, we have Lena looking at the side of the mirror, which is interesting because the duality, and there's duality with Liz because Lena plays the two sisters. And then there's an identity deal here, which I'm not going to give all the, the deals away, but let's just say there's a identity dilemma in this film, so there's a lot of duality. And then there's, we see the reflections of people in this, which is good. Um, number 13, mind control theme. No, not really. No, no mind control. I mean, there's people under the influence of other people, but there's no... Uh, through deceit and through love, but no... Um, mind control elements of a you know hypnotic deal uh 14 magic tongue scenes no actually no magic tongue by lena or anybody but lena especially the scene where she is with her husband and she's like says oh now i'm gonna have sex with you and she's like biting him and going down his stomach but not give the truth away but then it's actually not lena's her sister so but still but yeah uh but uh yeah, she bites, bites, bites. I was waiting for the tongue to come out. The tongue stayed in her mouth the whole time. I was laughing. I was like, you, mer. Okay. Uh, 15, red light. Uh, no, no red light. Uh, 16, sheepskin rug or masturbation with a letter C item. No on both. 17, mad scientist and servant. No mad scientist, no servant. Number 18, fish tank shots. Nope, no fish tanks. Shots or fish tanks in the film. 19, talking parrot, talking animals, monkeys, tigers, anything. Nope, no birds, no talking animals of any kind. Uh, number 20, end credits, yes or no. Yes, it says Finn, and then it talks about where it's filmed at. Um, and let's see. Uh, yeah, 21, handwritten notes. Uh, no, no handwritten kind of signs or notes or crudely structured things like that. 22, Spiral Staircase. Yeah, there's actually one where the heavyset guy comes down toward the end when he has the, the gun in his hand. You see him coming down that Spiral Staircase. Uh, let's see, number 23. I always have in a order. 23, Inept Cops. Kind of. The cops come to investigate, but they're inept because they don't really <clears throat> know what happened when the fire happens, but, but they're not really inept. They're just kind of given false information so um yeah uh 24 uh belly chains no no belly chains 25 kinks nah nothing really like this it's more of a detective story about the uh, couples and stuff and they don't really go into that element in this film 26 great headboards uh antonio mayans has a cool headboard as it is his house like a wooden one with a little um like break in between and then wood on top of that like there's little uh spires or something like all across that was cool and then also Carmen Carrion has a really cool leather kind of a uh, quilted or what do they call that quilted leather or something um, uh, like a type of a headboard where it's got big big. it's quite large so that was a nice one uh, 27 fear or desire uh, desire definitely <clears throat> they desire money desire sex all the desires in this film uh 28 acoustic guitar player no uh 29 reading a book scene yeah the daughter uh was reading her book her homework and the he kind of looks at the reads the the 
destruction. So there's that scene in there. Uh, and number 30, is there a scene, a pee scene in the film? No, no, uh, pee scenes, um, in this film. And we talk about having to go pee or go and pee or nothing like that. So yeah, no urination proclamation in this film. So, all right. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, let me do a quick thing. Cause I think I forgot to do it in the episode coming up that I recorded before. So, uh, we always know that, uh, you can always uh, subscribe to the podcast. We're on uh, Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music. We're on Google Podcasts, Radio Public, and other f- of your favorite listening platforms. So go ahead and subscribe to there and like us if you have a like button or whatever that is. On Some do, some don't. Uh, if you want to download any of the shows, feel free to. Some podcasts don't let you download. Like, I like the Tarantino one, um, but they don't let you download it. And I like to download and listen to it later. I hate to just go to the site and listen to it all the time. So it's always there if you want to download it. And, of course, it's always free. Uh, it's always free for me. I do it every week for free. If you ever feel like donating, there's a donation button on the Red Circle page, the main page for the podcast. Uh, one time or reoccurring, whatever you feel like, whatever. I don't give you any extra content for it, but just let you know I do all these for free every week. So I feel like donating. I'm in between jobs right now as well, so any extra money is appreciated. Uh, let's see. Tell a friend if you like the show, uh, Franco Observer Podcast, or if you like Lady Hyde, or if you like uh, Manuel and Sin City, or Desperate Visions Productions. Tell people about it. Uh, the worst thing you could do is like something and keep it to yourself. Uh, it's always good to share other people's work, especially people on a micro-budget, micro-cinema, micro-film, all that stuff, always can use the help. So it's always good to tell a friend. So please share the wealth, share the information, and uh, let's get old Jason moving up the ladder. Uh, if you want to get a hold of me, I'm always around at francoobserver at yahoo.com. Once again, francoobserver at yahoo.com. Uh, we got a pages for the podcast on Instagram and Facebook. So find us, the Franco Observer Podcast, on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, so, yeah, there you go. I'm going to end that episode with that information. So, all right, tell everybody about Franco. Tell everybody about the Franco Observer Podcast. Tell everybody about Desperate Visions. And uh, let's get us going. So, all right, thank you all for listening. I do appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, I'm still buzzed about Camino Solitaro. Uh, if you're able to find it, um, I'm not sure. I know there's a lot of... Sh- I honestly don't ever like, um, what's they call that, uh, downloading movies or, uh, um, that's not the thing I'm thinking of, but, uh, where you, um, transfer and all that stuff. But, uh, yeah, if you ever find, uh, Camino Solitaro, I do recommend it. It's, it's a killer film, so any of the peer sharing sites, I'm sure... Franco places have it. I know it's out there. So, yeah. So let's let's wish too that like Severin would put this out on Blu-ray. I would definitely buy it day one. So, all right. Adios amigo. Adios amiga. Mm-hmm.